0: Well, Amy, thank you so much. Um, what we were saying earlier about sharing your stories, um, we'd still really love to hear the stories. So in a moment, I'm going to sort of stop. And if you've got a story you'd like to share, then I'll either come with a microphone to you or you can, or you can run up. It's basically, we would love to know your favorite Holy Spirit story. It might be something that happened to you. Or it might be something you've just heard about that sort of gets you going a bit. You're like, woo! I heard one this week. It was uh, about a guy from 140, 150 years ago uh, who had a little bit of spare time on his hands, and he went and volunteered at the local prison. Uh, and in those days, they didn't do particularly good mental health care, to say the least. Um, they just sort of bunged everyone into a locked room if they had mental health issues, and uh, there was excrement on the walls and all sorts of things, 30 people, different ages, different genders, all chucked in together. Uh, and he went to the prison garden and said, you know, how, how can I help? And the guard was like, ooh, I do not know if you can help, actually, just for an hour. And then he kind of thought, he said, oh, come on, come with me. And he took him down to room 37, important detail in the story, room 37. And in it were 37 people. And he opened up the four bolts on the door. And he uh, pushed the willing Christian volunteer in. And he said, I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> Locked the door behind him. And he said to to God, the Spirit, "Um, what should I do? Help, I'm desperate. What should I do? And he just felt he should sing. So uh, apparently he sang, maybe more tunefully than I'm about to. Uh, Yes, Jesus loves me. Or something like that anyway. Um, And once he said that a couple of times, he repeated it again. Because that was only 30 seconds. And he repeated it for a full hour. Um, came back the next week into room 37, did the same thing. On the third week, a woman came and sat next to him and uh, started singing too. And apparently, after a year, none of them were still in room 37. Um, many of them had left the hospital, and gradually they started to be part of his church, his congregation, and that was just a lovely, heartwarming, Holy Spirit story. Um, now, yours may be less dramatic, I, I, I imagine I haven't got any of that dramatic myself, but Anyone got a favorite Holy Spirit story? I'm going to run around with the microphone, so I'm going to start over this side. Anyone's got one, just stop me. Um, the camera guys will have to keep up. Um, we're going to go into row two. What's God done in your life, Peter, in 10 seconds? Holy Spirit.
1: That's not putting me on the spot at all, is it? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I guess times when... The Spirit has told me things in terms of, pray for this person and uh, things have actually happened. There was one, actually there was one occasion where I was led to pray for something completely unprepared. I was praying and then all of a sudden I just started praying this prayer, praying this prayer, praying this prayer um, for a member of the family. And they were sick in bed. They had cancer, their cancer count was really high. And I can remember just praying and praying and praying that God would bring it down, that they would be healed, that it would be reduced. And I got back after the weekend away, and uh, this particular person, um, their cancer count fell completely. And it was one of those moments where the Bible says about praying with faith, and if you pray with faith, you will receive. That was a moment of actually knowing I had the faith for that. Um, And uh, I think that's happened twice in my life. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that was special. So thank you very much you've done well for this section we'll go
0: to the, we'll go to the middle we'll come back if there's spare time um, let's go over this section and um, we've got Paul Morgan here over here um, just, uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul's relatively new to church so it's nice to, nice to sort of get to know you and um, Paul uh, the Holy Spirit what does the Holy Spirit mean to you?
2: Um, it's interesting coming to these evening services isn't it? Um, the uh, <laughs> um, I think, I think experiencing the spirit. I, I still remember, like the uh, at a service when I was at college, and um, I heard about the Holy Spirit being talked about. And um, but having in in a time of worship, just experiencing the the Spirit for the first time. I guess I was 19, and um, and I've been brought up in the church, but just I, I can still remember that sort of feeling of. Well, I just—I didn't know what it was, and you know, a uh, friend who I'd gone with said, "You're right." I said, "I don't know, but we'll have to chat about it later," <laughs> because I just—just I just absorbing this—um—this—this—this um, this, this, this new sensation of just actually feeling uh, touched by something that's, you know, beyond you, um, but at the same time, it not being scary or anything, and it was, yeah, just that. So I think when I think of Holy Spirit, I think of I guess the first time I felt like that. But then, knowing that that's an ongoing thing, and it's a, you know you have to keep obviously in step with you know God and just experiencing you know and it, and and the experiences are different at
0: different times. But I just yeah you know, I just still remember that. I think. Brilliant. Well, well done for this section, Paul, thank you very much. Um, I'm not normally here. Who's gonna who are gonna pick on in this section here? Um, let's go to Alice. Alice, it's nice to see you. Also newish here. Tell us about the Holy Spirit.
3: Okay. I can't tell you about it, but I can tell you what it does for me. So like when we were reading the Acts, um, verse 12 really stood out to me. It says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And I just find like that when I'm encountering the Holy Spirit, I feel so like warm and it's like a fire inside me. It's like a passion and I just am amazed and perplexed and I have no idea, I can't fathom it, but yeah, it's just amazing.
0: Just, just give us a little headline on, you just said before the service what was happening in Guernsey, like a lot of people coming to to the youth group that you're in and what, what's, what's been stirring there?
3: Uh, I don't know if it's just the fact that we put online gaming or, <laughs> um, no, we've actually been praying a while for our youth to grow, because not many youth in Guernsey um, actually know the Lord or come to church, it's a very minority thing, um, so we had like about 10, 12 people showing up regularly, and we, play, we prayed about it, and like now we have like 80 on a Friday, And it's just amazing um and this is like 80 different faces and then we see more throughout the week and it's just absolutely amazing thank you so much alice
0: very kind and let's go to the final segment of the room see who we're looking at nick am i going past you head down oh i'm gonna stop gonna stop
4: yeah thanks (laughs) richard Um, I think I was, um, just thinking about on your point, Richard, how it is a a continuous process with the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think, although, yes, thanks, thanks for putting me on the spot and I don't think anything within like the past couple of months, um, really sticks out, but I think just almost the, the continuation of kind of day, kind of saying, God, here I am, um, please kind of give me your Holy Spirit and it, it, then just, it almost translates into then all of your life, um. And your work, your relationship with your your partner, and I think there's then that really calm presence that you can then sometimes take for granted. So that when when you said, "Oh, has anything happened in the past two months?" Maybe there hasn't been a miraculous kind of cancer healing, or kind of I haven't been speaking in tongues. But actually, um, the Holy Spirit kind of actually works for every single thing. Um, and I think without it, um, I think obviously the life would be very different.
0: Yeah, and that's incredibly profound because the Holy Spirit and you know, Jesus himself obviously sustains all life. We, we call the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who sustains everything. So without the Holy Spirit, we would basically cease. Without, without Jesus, who sustains everything by his powerful word, we would cease to be completely. We just don't really realize that a lot of the time. And my, my basic message tonight, and you may have some other stories you want to come up and share at another point later, is let's be desperate before we realize we're desperate let be desperate before we realize we're desperate. Um, I don't know if that makes sense yet, but uh, have you ever been in a car where you know you're running out of petrol? <laughs> we, we went to California a few years ago on, on our sabbatical, and we had my mum in a car and three uh, pretty young children. I can't remember how long ago, it feels like forever ago. Um, we had one of those big four by four cars, and we'd gone up to a national park in California, which are a bit more remote than the national parks that we get in the UK. Uh, and we come down from a volcanic area, and uh, and there are mountain lions in this park, and maybe a few other uh, things uh, wild in there. And plus, we've got three kids, and we've been listening to New Wine uh, CD on repeat for about seven days now, and they only make it 43 minutes long. So every 43 minutes, it kicks back in with, stand together, stand together, we will stand strong. Uh, And at a certain point, my mum starts singing along as well, and um, at that point, we're we're all getting slightly close to the edge of, uh, you know, we're we're not sure we're going to carry on with this anymore. And we're coming down the hill, and we realize that we've run out of petrol, like, literally completely run out of petrol. For whatever reason, this gas-guzzling, huge 4x4 has used up petrol faster than it said it would do on on the metometer. And we're coming down, and we think, we're stuck. And at, at this point, with the idea of camping out in a car overnight with mountain lions and... Not only what's outside the car, but what's inside the car to deal with. We're pretty much at our wit's end. And we're just praying, God, would you please help? And it, it's so bad that I'm basically I'm turning the engine off because we're coming down a hill. So we're sort of free riding down the hill trying to conserve petrol. And, uh, and then suddenly there's this moment where my mum sees petrol or gas or something. And I, I'm like, it's this is gas, I think. And so I'm like, no, that means, you know, the camping gas that you, and, and anyway... I relent and turn, and there is a petrol station 25 miles earlier than the one that we were aiming for, and we're okay, but the, the panicking moment of, I'm desperate, was there. And you may have those moments. I mean, we have them when we're revising for exams. We have them in work. We have them in all sorts of things. The sort of panicky moment, getting to the airport on time or the train on time, and you're like, ooh, desperate moments. The, the, the quote that we read out from Acts tonight comes from the book of Joel, Uh, way back in the Old Testament. It's a famous quote. It's it's that I will pour out my spirit uh, in the last days. Do you you know the quote? And your young men and your old men and your young women, your old women are going to have visions. They're going to prophesy on on everyone who gets the chance to play. We're all involved in this. Um, But I was just looking up the context of this verse, of this quote in Joel, and it struck me and we don't often go back to this, but if you look at it, chapter one, he's describing an invasion of locusts. And he you see, puts it like this, he says, have you ever seen a plague like this? What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten, what well, the great locusts have eaten, the young locusts have eaten, what the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. So in other words, everything you've got going for you has been stripped away. And I've known seasons like that in my life. I don't know if you you have times where you just feel like really deplenished. Replenished is a word, isn't it? So deplenished must be a word as well where you just like, you've run out of stuff. You've been deplenished. You've just been sucked out of you. You've got nothing left to give. And that's the situation that the Israelites had ended up in, uh, mainly for their own fault. And uh, he calls them to a holy fast, to a lamentation, to seeking God afresh. And then he has that famous... um, a uh, phrase again where you're supposed to rend your hearts with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Uh, for that God, who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love, will relent from sending calamity. And he will give you back the years, the locusts have eaten. Uh, it's just chapter 2, verse 25. In other words, what you've lost, where you've been deplenished, he will replenish you. And that's the context where he says, and then afterwards, I will pour out my spirit. On all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in heaven and earth. And it just struck me that tonight, for all the things that we could say about the Holy Spirit, and it's worth watching Celia Bowering's masterful discussion on the Spirit from the 9.30 this morning, all the things that we could say about the Spirit, the thing that is probably key for you and me tonight, is what is our personal story with the Spirit? And the question, the only question I want to leave you with tonight, is do you know that you're desperate? Do you know that you're desperate? Do you know that without him, the universe isn't sustained? Do you know that he is the giver of life? You know, everything that you want to have in life, he is the giver of life. He sustains everything. And if you didn't have Jesus sustaining the earth, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit breathing into us, giving us humanity itself, you would have nothing. Now, Pete Hughes, who's, who's very good at teaching, he talks about how humanity was created and the Spirit was a big part of the creation. Ugh, the dove of the Spirit hovers over the waters in a particular version of uh, the Aramaic Bible at the beginning of creation. And uh, then decreation happens, which is sin, basically, how we screw up, how we make a mess of it. But then the Spirit wants to get involved in recreating us. And recreation doesn't mean just playing on the PlayStation or going for a spa weekend or whatever you do to recreate yourself. It means really being recreated inside out. And I suppose the question is this. If you had a glimpse of being a human fully alive, could you ever let go of the possibility of that? I think that's what it was like meeting Jesus of Nazareth walking around. It says in Acts 10 that Jesus was a man, but he was full of the Holy Spirit who enabled him to do miracles and wonders. And people bumped into him And he saw someone who wasn't scared, he wasn't anxious, he wasn't worried about anything. He just seemed to be in control, without controlling almost anything. People tried to kill him, he just sort of walked through them. People tried to praise him, it just washed off his back. People tried to suggest that he should rise up to high office, he just went away from them. He was fully created, creating all around him. It was extraordinary. And when people saw him, they wanted to be like him. Or they were petrified of him and they just wanted to keep away from him because it was scary. And have you ever had you on a good day? Do you, do you know what I mean by you on a good day? I occasionally have Richard on a good day. And I like, I like that Richard, I have to say. Am I allowed to own up to that? I like Richard on a good day. You know, Richard on a good day can write his doctorate and get it done. Praise the Lord. Uh, Richard on a good day is, you know, moderately funny. At least I got a five-year-old to laugh at my joke last week on Sunday morning. Um, Richard on a good day follows Jesus well. But actually, I think what the Holy Spirit wants us to get to is, is this point of going, if the Holy Spirit is in me, with me, for me, and working through me, it's not really about what I could be like on a good day is what God in me could be like. Let me read you this little quote I found today, and this is going to be a very short talk, so, um, so if you're going to hold on to something, pay attention to this one. Um, this is from today's Oswald Chambers Bible reading, and if you were here last Sunday night, you'll know we finished the service with a, a picture um, that we shared, and it was a, a picture of a, a stream of living water being blocked um, and if you remember that, we had a, like a blockage that was stopping, but the stream was going to start to knock over these blockages. And as I reflected on this week, sometimes those blockages are, you know, stuff we have got wrong or fears, but sometimes it's our desire to contain what we've already got, just to hold on to it. You know, I've got enough of God for me, I'm just going to shore up and contain the living water. Now, have a listen to this. It's uh, from Rivers of Living Water, John 7.38. A river touches places of which its source knows nothing. And Jesus says, if we have received of his fullness, however small the visible measure of our lives, out of us will flow the rivers that will bless to the uttermost parts of the earth. We have nothing to do with the outflow. This is the work of God that ye believe. God rarely allows a soul to see how great a blessing they are. A river, he says, is victoriously persistent. It overcomes all barriers. For a while, it goes steadily on its course. Then it comes to an obstacle. And for a while, it can be balked, It can be dammed. But it soon makes a pathway around the obstacle. So the river might drop out of sight for miles and emerge presently broader and grander than ever. And you can see God using some lives. But into your life, an obstacle has come and you do not seem to be of any use. Anyone relate to that? You think, I'm stuck. I'm not sure I'm of any use right now. It says, keep paying attention to the source and God will either take you round the obstacle or remove it. The river of the spirit of God overcomes all obstacles. Never get your eye on the obstacle or on the difficulty. Never get your eye on the obstacle or difficulty. The obstacle is a matter of indifference to the river which will flow steadily through you if you remember to keep right at the source. Never allow anyone to come between yourself and Jesus Christ. No emotion, no experience. Nothing must keep you from the one great sovereign source. Think of the healing and far-flung rivers nursing themselves in our souls. God has been opening up marvelous truths for our minds. And every point he's opened up is an indication of the wider power of the river that will flow through us. If you believe in Jesus... You'll find that God has nourished in you mighty torrents of blessings for others. Yet partly what he's saying is that the river of God is for other people. And the more you're prepared to let that bless onto someone else, the more can flow through you. And if you've become the obstacle, this river's going to build up and build up until, whoo, <laughs> you're floating downstream. <laughs> or is gonna go underground and bypass you. I remember a story of a a guy who felt that he had been called to distribute Gospels in America back in the 70s or 80s. I think it was Full Gospel Women's Business Fellowship and he he did it and they distributed Gospels to uh, maybe 100 million people and he was talking to God and he felt God say, well, you weren't the first person I asked. You weren't even the second. (laughs) You were the third and the Spirit of God had just sort of gone round (laughs) until it found a willing way. And friends, this is the question. Do you know you're desperate for God? In the book of Joel, it says they're desperate like, like animals longing for water, like that famous psalm, because it's been a fiery place. It's like the petrol running out in the car. You're desperate. Do you know you're desperate? Sometimes you'll know you're desperate because you really are desperate. It's now or never, God. It's that moment. But if you can know you're desperate when you don't think you're desperate, then that's the place where God can flow through you because you're like, actually, I need you. I need you. Every hour, I need you. That chorus we sing, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's a truth. That's a fact. I need you to do my job. I need you to do my marriage. I need you to do the relationship with my parent. I need you to do my hope, my future. I need you for my finances. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need to be connected to you because you are life. And the opposite of life is death. I'm either connected to life or I'm connected to death, to light or to darkness. Which one are you connected to? And what Oswald Chambers is saying is that there's almost no limit on the blessings that can flow through what he calls a surrendered life. If you aim to be a river channel with as few obstacles as possible, imagine what that stream of water could do. Friends, let's get desperate for him. Because he's longing to revive like he was in Guernsey. He's longing to bring healing like he did in families. He's longing to show us himself personally, like he did for Nick and Paul. He's here. And he's knocking on the door of our heart saying, Are You can let me in. And what we don't always know is how much we need to let him in. Occasionally We think, I'm not worthy. Sometimes we want to hold on to our sin. But more often, we just don't know that we need him. And today, simple message, be desperate. Be desperate for him and see what happens when you let him in. God bless you today.